Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler, and I am honored to have Frank Serpico as my guest today. And Frank is going to talk about the Derek Chauvin trial and the police department. So, Frank, it's like, you know, people were at the edge of their seats waiting for the verdict. And um, what I what I what I think is had that young woman not filmed, you know what Chauvin did to George Floyd, he would have gotten away scot free. So you know the other cops were standing around watching it. That didn't surprise you at all, did it? Oh, hello, Cynthia, and uh, hello to your listeners. Uh... No, um, you know, you said that people were sitting at the edge of their seats. Exactly. It's like watching a drama, you know. Then the drama's over and they go home. Or some of them, they go back to business as usual. So we can't expect that one incident is going to make any great changes in our society. Okay. So... You weren't surprised by the verdict at all, were you? Uh, no. In fact, um, I got an email from uh, a good friend of mine uh, named uh, David Burnham. And David Burnham, for your older listeners, your younger listeners won't know what I'm talking about. David Burnham was a uh, New York Times reporter who broke the story of uh, my exposing the, um, you know, not my words, but as the Nat Commission said, it wasn't a rotten apple in the barrel. The whole barrel was rotten. Might have been a couple of good Mm -hmm. apples that got away, but, you know, we talk about the rotten apple theory. Okay, you don't take that rotten apple out. You know, any farmer will tell you it's surrounded by apples. All those apples are going to go rotten, and they have to keep. So we got to save the good, uh, the good apples while we can, you know. But getting back, no, I, I wasn't surprised. And uh, so my friend David Burnham, uh, he is the one that ran the headlines for the New York Times back in the 1970s. Graft paid to the police, said to run into the millions. Millions. This was in uh-huh. the 70s. Uh-huh. Now, I'm the guy that exposed that, but I couldn't have done it without the help of the New York Times. I certainly wasn't going to get any help from the police department because the police department was the um, the perpetrator, as they say, in the business. And it wasn't uh-huh. just a little cop. It went all the way up to the top. And... Um, you know, the people in power, they write the books, the media covers them, and they write what they tell them. They don't listen to the little guy. The little guy doesn't have a voice much. In the, they say, yeah, go and vote. Yeah, you go and vote, and you get the same thing no matter who's in office because the office is corrupt. Our governmental system is not operating the way it should at this time. Therefore, neither are our police systems. Now, 
you have small units like, you know, here we have uh, Troy and uh, little places like that. You you have a better chance of keeping your eye on the ball. That when you have these big places like New York and Chicago, but I know I've gone off, and uh, you as a good uh, interviewer should bring me back. Otherwise, I'll wander out the pasture. But I still have my okay. wits about me, and so I'm going to finish what I started about David Burnham. So okay. David Burnham from 1971 uh, writes to me. We've been in touch, and he says, Well, Paco, what do you think? Uh, you think they're finally going to get him uh, I said, Dave, the boat is sinking, and the boat is named um, the uh, SS or the uh, PD Chauvin, and it's oh, going boy. down. And all mm-hmm. the rats are going to jump off too. Now, I don't want to make this personal because I, I don't know the facts. Only people can decide for themselves because they think, oh, right. this is a great change. The the wall is tumbled down. Did you see that that uh, that uh, boss? He he said, "Yeah, Chauvin was wrong." Yeah, you bet your butt he was wrong. But what did you do about it before he went wrong? You didn't know about mm-hmm. it. Who who are you want to kid? And while Chauvin is being uh, prosecuted, uh, the uh, the circus continues outside. So the circus has to be attended to before we can hope to see any improvements. So you have good people, you have good cops. A cop isn't going to change for the better when he becomes a cop, only if he has good leadership. The average guy isn't going to turn for the worse when he becomes a cop unless he thinks there's something to gain. Now, we have this thing, we have this uh, latest shooting where the cop, um, he acted as best he could in his mind. I, uh, you can't second guess anybody. They say, well, he saved that girl's life. Excellent. Now, when you see one of your own taking somebody else's life, shouldn't you also intervene at that time? That's what policing right. should be about. Uh, mm-hmm. I I know old timers. Uh, I don't want to get personal, but one of them is uh, the sheriff <laughs> in local in, in Rensselaer. And the things he did as a cop are the things you want cops to do, you know, helping people and not mm-hmm. being a tough guy. But those people are few and far between because uh, – I wish I had one in, in this county, but I haven't seen that yet. Um, so we have these little counties, and, you know, we have uh, sheriffs in each one and police jurisdictions, and um, so it's hard to control. So if you have a good leader in a little town and he cracks the whip, yep, you're going to have good police. If you got one that thinks, well, there's something to be made here, now he can't do it by his own, uh, this old timer in Europe once told me, he said, yeah, you know, uh, the big, um, what did he call them? The, the big guys need the little guys to 
pull the chestnuts out of the fire. Uh, they're not going to burn their hands. You see, they let the little guy do it. So mm-hmm. that's a good example of how corruption works. Now, I've got a question for you. As I watched the video, and uh, that young woman was pretty brave and oh, filming that point. for Exactly. I I didn't want to miss that. I'm glad you brought it back up because, again, if it wasn't for the bravery of a young lady uh, to take that, well, you can bet your bottom dollar, you know, Chauvin would have walked because that's the way it works, you know. Uh, So, um, and I, I think it was even... I spoke at the Troy dinner for the PBA and I told him a story and I said, you know, I told him about when I got shot because I, I got shot in the line of duty uh, during a, a drug bust and my fellow cops, they just left me there to bleed. Uh, they never called for a backup. Who called for a backup was a tenant And one police car responded because it was a report of shots fired, not signal 1013 as the signal is in New York. I don't know what it is up here, officer down. And I I said, you know what? The good, the so-called good cops, they let me down to bleed to death. A citizen came to my assistance. And so I tell cops, be good to the system. Uh, be um, a fair dealer with uh, the society, like like a, a good neighbor uh, who keeps the peace. But y- you can't be one-sided. You have to listen to both sides and not take sides. It's not your job. That's the court's uh, job if uh, we're lucky enough to get a judge uh, that is also of moral character. Um, so... Um, uh, I, where was I now? I lost. I uh, go off on so many tangents that. That's uh, okay. The, what was I? What was my? Um, you you were saying that it was brave for that young woman to film. The, yes. Yes. Um, yes. Chevin. And without it, uh, we probably wouldn't have had any case. But uh, right. also, as I was saying, you know, protecting. Cops, if they don't, right now, I think police uh, credibility is at an all-time low, and it has to be recaptured. And and it's really very easy to do, but, uh, you know, things that sound easy when they're ingrained and become habits vis-a-vis what they call, uh, you know, the blue wall, uh, that make some cops think uh, that they can get away with doing something that if a civilian does it, it would be a crime. No. Uh, everybody should be treated equal, and uh, uh, you have to obey the laws as well. So when you have somebody who is handcuffed and no longer posing a threat, then why would you continue to apply pressure? and uh, Or why would you continue to beat uh, the uh, suspect is, is also the problem we're facing now. So mm-hmm. we have to look at the psychological part of it. What, what causes men and women 
to behave in this way over people that they have sworn to protect and serve. And unfortunately, yeah, we do have racism and attitude. Uh, and I'm speaking from my own experience, uh, uh, I would see cops, uh, you know, they would uh, allegedly going after a drug dealer uh, because their dealer gave this other dealer up, which wasn't a dealer at all, but a user. And, um, okay, here he is. We got him, uh, you know, needle in his arm and all because he's just a user. And then they put extra drugs on him and say that um, he's a dealer. And I said, what are you doing? This guy's not a dealer. Ah, these people are the scum of the earth. Trash. Get them off the street. Really? Is that your job? Or is that your social worker's job? So this is what I mean. They have this, I don't know where it comes from, this inane hatred for another person. It's like, uh, yeah, the other guy really doesn't matter as long as I get home uh, safe. Uh, you know, a lot of things people, the public doesn't understand. They say, well, why don't they shoot him in the leg? You know, cops are not trained to shoot in the leg. Um, in fact, in my time, we could also shoot at a fleeing felon. But you better make sure that that guy's a felon. Uh and I have done it, but I was sure because I was a witness and I was the victim. But um, what's happening today, um, again, it was my police commissioner, who I didn't think very much of, uh, uh, that uh, tried to uh, demean me for what I did. He was the actual guy that changed the law that you couldn't fire at a fleeing felon anymore. So I don't know why there's all this uh, shooting and uh, at fleeing felons that uh, the description doesn't always seem to fit a felon. But um, so anyway, we have this adrenaline rush and you, you, you get there and you have to protect yourself. You have to respond, but you have to have somebody there too, uh, to, um, you know, uh, give you a chill, you know, um, you just can't fly off the handle and, Maybe we need more psychological examinations and uh, uh, more oversight. And uh, so, anyway, I, I hear I've heard people say uh, he was nothing but a roach, somebody they just uh, killed. And yes, is his life worth less? Yeah, yeah, of course he is. This is there. Yeah. Wait, wait. Is his life worth less to his family, to his friends? Um, it's not just one life. We have to start looking at people. If the guy is a criminal, fine or unfine, you're the cop. It's your job to apprehend him, bring him to court, let the court decide. So um, that's uh, it's, yeah. That's my view and uh, room to uh, you know digest. Okay, I do have a question. When I watched the this, when I watched the video, and Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck, and the other cops were standing around watching. 
You know, if I was a witness to something that brutal, I would say, what are you doing? But they just stood yeah. there and watched and didn't say anything. What's well, your take on that? they don't do that, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to back your brother. And I say, yeah, have his back 100% if his life is in danger. I put my life before his in front of him. But not when he's committing an unlawful deed or a crime itself. Now, I have a, a friend, a former police officer of stellar reputation, um, and he runs a podcast. His name is Doug Papa, and he tells it like it is. He doesn't care that he loses, follows, whatever. We were discussing the other night that maybe it should be a law be made that um, if, you, if you're a police officer and you don't intervene uh, when a fellow officer is committing such a thing um, or being corrupt, that it's a crime. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean? I... Well, you're going to let your fellow officer commit a crime? You know what that does? It makes you uh, equally uh, guilty and responsible under the law. Why do you think the law shouldn't apply to you? Boy, I can't do my job with it. I don't know. I did my job. I was never, I never cared who was watching. If you're afraid for people to see what you were doing when they weren't watching, don't do it. Especially today, because everybody's watching beyond our imagination. But that's not why the reason we should be doing it. The, the reason better would be is like, hey, uh, maybe uh, we're on this planet together and we better start figuring out a way to, to get along because this isn't getting us anywhere vis-a-vis -vis our politics, uh, you know, Republican and Democrat. I mean, what's the state of the country here? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if that, I think if that if that was recorded, and those other cops were standing there, I wonder how many more times that happened. How many more times Chauvin? Yes, but you know that's that's true. Mm -hmm. But again, I see where you're going. That's speculation, and uh, you know I think I'm one of the biggest uh, police uh, critics or police corruption critics, um, I, I have to say that, yeah, that's all coulda, shoulda, you know, for example, uh, what you're saying, when I exposed corruption in New York City, uh, do you think it was happening only in New York City? It was happening Probably all over not. the country. And I okay. got a letter, unfortunately, that I didn't read until after I got back home from a lieutenant in Albany talking about the same corruption. Mm hmm Wow. Wow. So <clears throat> so now the other there's three other cops that are gonna be put on trial um because of the George Floyd murders. Um I I was just I was just amazed as the jury was reading the verdict, how unemotional uh, Chauvin was. And I guess that, that that's his way of, 
dealing with life. He was really a a very unemotional person, and I could see how this whole thing happened. What do you think? Well, I'm not a psychiatrist, uh, but um, in 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 some ways, uh, you'd say you'd get the same reaction from a cold-blooded killer. It's all a state of mind. How, uh, you know, I, he was a bad apple. He was bad before before this, you know. Again, cops are going to say, oh, yeah, you don't know, no, it's tough out there. Yeah, it's tough out there. And uh, it all depends on how you want to do the job. Uh, there, there are a lot of... Uh, issues, Cynthia, regarding policing and uh, that, um, uh, you know, people make mistakes uh, and the sense of uh, 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 this might not be off the subject, but, uh, you know, when I was a cop, I had a 38 special and and, uh, off uh, as a detective, uh, I only had five shots in my gun. And uh, it was a, a snub nose. Now, when I was in an incident, I wasn't going to empty my gun because I'd be done for. So I mm-hmm. never fired more than one shot at a time. Now, at the time, there was training that you fired two shots, uh, uh, assess. Then the training changed. It's like keep firing until the subject no longer is a threat. Now, you have semi-automatic guns. Uh, You know, you're in a city. You're not in a war zone. Um, And, um, again, I have to pick the ones that, you know, I could uh, see were, in my opinion, uh, basically wrong. Because a lot of times it's just a bad call. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you're a criminal. But I'm referring to a case where three black uh, officers, uh, white, but dressed in black, came out of their car, one of them carrying an assault rifle. They stopped a 17-year-old black teen, and uh, the next thing you know, uh, the cop with the assault rifle emptied his assault rifle. Now... I don't know what the guy was doing, uh, if he was one of the 10 most wanted. Um, He posed no threat. They said that they found a gun in the area, but uh, the forensic said that, yeah, it was fully loaded, but it was almost inoperable. Uh, Now, again, I'm just, I'm not blaming anybody. Just uh, because in my days, I would see a lot of those floating around after the fact and knives and stuff like that that were, you know, uh, accidentally dropped. So why does a police officer have to empty an assault rifle into a victim who poses no threat and then has to finish him off with his Beretta? Yeah, I'm not talking James Bond here. Uh-huh. You know, how is this stuff excusable? In my opinion, uh-huh. it simply isn't. Wow. Well. So, Frank, you know, I really appreciate you, you doing this. You're you're happily retired, and you live in upstate New York, and 
I'm sure that over the past couple of weeks, the press has been hounding you, hasn't it? Well, you know, some people I've done some things, but and not not really that bad to them. It's it's all hat, you know. It's just uh, they'll grab a little headline and uh, see where it fades. And uh, I don't particularly engage in, uh, you know. I'll let the mm-hmm. chips fall where they may. And uh, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's new, there's young blood out there. They can carry on if they want. And, uh, uh, you know, I was uh, from a, another generation. Right, right. So I just, I read recently, you just lost your good friend Ramsey Clark, right? Yes, indeed, yes. Uh, very rare individual and uh, never be a, another like him. And, uh, that's a, another person that has been misunderstood. Uh, again, because, you know, politics get in the way, and, uh, but he did wonderful things uh, for uh, civil liberties, and his door was open to anyone. It didn't matter if he had money or not. And uh, he, he was a great man and uh, a great friend. And, uh, and it's, uh, that's just... why uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, uh, I think I, um, I produced a documentary about him uh, called uh, Citizen Clark, uh, A Life of Principle. And that's right. in a nutshell. He was a, a man of principle, and uh, uh, and uh, that, that play, uh, he's been in so many different countries. Uh, yesterday, I was doing a, a podcast with uh, a, a, a reporter in Ireland, and uh, he brought up Ramsey Clark and. Uh, I love I love accents. When I do accents, I'm not, you know, making fun of people. I'm I'm admiring them, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the reporter, uh, he was a black man, and I've I've heard of black Irish before. You know, I've I had lots of friends. They said they were black Irish, but they they looked white, so I never really knew. So when I got on the phone with him. He says, is that you, Frank? And I said, I couldn't conceive that. You see how our mind works that a black man would have an Irish brogue? And I said, you know, Uh Mike, uh, before long I'll be talking like you. And he said, "Uh, oh, he says, as you please. And so we were talking, and he brought up, he says, you know, I don't know if you know uh, your friend uh, Ramsey Clark. He he was here in Ireland, and and I said, no, I didn't hear about that. And uh, um, yeah, there was this uh, woman, and uh, she walked into the uh, air air base, and she started hammering on this plane, and they arrested her. She was, uh, <laughs> I know some of your livers are going to say, hey, you're Russian, but they were opposing the war in Vietnam. They weren't opposing mm-hmm. our men that were dying there. They were trying to mm-hmm. save them. And right. so Ramsey went to 
uh, Ireland, and he says, yeah, and, uh, you know, she won her case. She said, yeah, planes shouldn't be going over bombing innocent people because they were going into Cambodia where, you know, it was a terrible historical, mm-hmm. too much of it uh, covered up. But he said, yeah, mm-hmm. he's loved in Ireland. And I thought, wow, this man has so many, he never told me that. You know, he's not a man to boast. And, and yet I saw myself would, would be down south in the deep south. And he was a Marine. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid of anything, you know, and he was a man of courage. Uh, that's, that's what we need. We need men of courage, uh, women of courage. Well, and, uh, well, Frank, you definitely have been a man of courage over the years. And our time is up, and I appreciate you coming out of retirement to do this podcast with me. So uh, you most cops never die. They just uh, twiddle their baton. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. You've been listening to Frank Serpico. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thank you so much, Frank. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. You too, Cynthia. Bye-bye.